0: Hey guys, depending on when you are listening to this, you may by now see that Boost is a full-fledged company with these amazing tools and these amazing products. But in actuality, these products started about 10 years ago. And so today, we're going to take you down and get you caught up over the last 10 years of where these tools came from, how these products came about, and really how the 1% Tool Shop came to be to where it is now. So stay tuned, we're going to run the theme song, and we'll be right back. Jarvis, drop my needle. And we're back. Boost today as you guys may see, is one of the leaders in personal and pinnacle personal performance. And how we do that is we create all kinds of uh, tools and products. What you guys now know is the 1% tool shop. And the strategies and and, and the ethos that we have through it is obviously through the 1%, through the marginal gains. And the tools that we develop these days have actually started being in development over 10 years ago. What you guys see today has actually been painstakingly tried, tested, uh, bombed over countless times to actually get to that end product to what you can see today. So one of the cool things we're going to do today is take you guys back, and it all starts 10 years ago. So actually further, because this actually started when I was 22, I actually bought my first nightclub when I was twenty two. I actually we actually got it one month before my twenty third birthday. And let me tell you guys, for anyone when I when I when they hear about this, yes, owning a nightclub is super awesome. It's exactly as fun, as wild, as rank as you would expect one would have. Um, from personal experience, I would now tell anyone, if you're 22, you have no business running a nightclub. You probably don't want to do it. <laughs> We're going to learn a little bit about that. Uh, I did run it for four years with my partners. It was fun. It was great. But actually, what ended up happening was by the end of the fourth year, it, it had run its course, right? You can only drink so much booze. You can only party so much. And uh, my health took a toll. But more importantly, I just realized that I didn't want to be a 30-year-old running a nightclub. That felt really cheesy to me wanted to do something with more substance, wanted to do something that gave back because running a nightclub, to me, you're just you're, just glorif- you're a glorified partier. Albeit, I checked off one of the very first um, bucket list items, which is to get paid to party, which is great for all 20-year-olds. So luck be having on my side, The I had a great mentor who we actually purchased a nightclub from, became very close friends, a confidant, and he actually offered me a position out um, in, in Toronto. Which was amazing at the time because after running the nightclub for four years, I lived in the same city my whole life for myself, I really wanted to do something bigger. I I really liked how Nike and Starbucks competed on the global stage. After running a small business, seeing that really sparked my imagination and really gave me something to look forward to. I also wanted to live in a different city, and I wanted to learn from billionaires. So th- one of the other underlying reasons why Starbucks and Nike was so appealing is because the billion dollars. Ten years ago, there wasn't so many billion-dollar unicorns that we hear today. It's kind of thrown around. But ten years ago, it was fantastic. And that was my 20-year-old dream. I wanted to become a billionaire. And the only way I could do that was I wanted to learn from billionaires. So I was ready for change, and uh, my mentor at the time offered me positions. He like, hey, why don't you move out to Toronto? And when we get out here, we can learn from such billionaires. Obviously, as a young 20-year-old now, um, having a little bit of success, I said, you know what? I'm out of here. Let's, let's go check this out. And so my big thing was, you know, I want to, if I can build a billion-dollar company, and I can learn from, mili- from billionaires, I, w- I want to move to a bigger, better, faster city. This is it. I'm out of here. So that was the best part, and uh, the big thing was I was moving out to Toronto to, to learn how to sell, and for myself, being a sociable and outspoken and very easy to get along and charismatic person, sales, I always thought, was just easy. I worked in retail before, and you know what? Sales job, no problem. The whole premise of going out to Toronto was to learn how to sell, teach other people how to sell, build teams, and then eventually build offices where w- then we could build companies. Hearing that, I thought, you know what, this is no problem. So sign me up, I'm going to move out there. So sold the nightclub, I sold every single one of my possessions, uh, said goodbye to all my friends and family, packed up my entire life, hopped in a plane, and I flew out to Toronto. The only problem with this story is that two weeks leading up to moving, and by now I've pretty much sold all of my belongings, or they're already getting ready to be thrown into a moving truck, I, I talked to my friend, my manager, h- and he calls me. He's like, hey, are you ready? for? Are, re- are you ready? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm pumped up. Got, you know, I'm, all, I'm all excited. I'm about to see the big city. And he says, are you ready for Kitchener? And uh, and on the phone, I remember I froze a little bit. I was like, Kitchener? And I, I had to ask him, what's Kitchener? Not not even where's Kitchener. What's Kitchener? I, I've never even heard that word for it. He said, oh, it's a little town uh, about an hour and a half outside of Toronto. And that's when, you know, th- that's when I took, I wish I had that little sound when the record stops because that's when I heard the first part and I was like, okay, I have no idea. So hop on my plane and when I land in Kitchener, I got to tell you, this was the smallest airport I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's, it's the kind where you don't even walk through that little tunnel to get o- into the airport. You get off onto the tarmac and walk into the terminal and the baggage claim wasn't even a full baggage claim. It was half a tiny little belt and as you're as your luggage would come off, you go pick it up off the belt. It was small. I knew it was in big trouble. I think my elementary school was bigger than the airport. That's actually one of my thoughts when I got off. But not a big deal because my journey had already started. The big thing at the time was that I didn't know when I was still in Calgary. Leading up to this, I didn't know. I've never moved before. uh, I didn't know the first thing about what to do, what to plan for. I was still in tons of debt from uh, from trying to finance a nightclub at the time. So at the time, when I knew and I made the decision, I just said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to start writing stuff down. It was the first time I probably cracked open a notebook since I was back in school. But I said, I'll just start writing this down. And I know that when I figure this out, because I'm gonna be a billionaire someday, I will have the tools to teach other people. That was always kind of, at least I had enough foresight when I was young to, to know that. And so I just started writing everything. I still have that notebook to this day. So started writing everything down, got rid of everything I do, and then finally, fast forward, I land in Kitchener. So I start the first day and um, I, I got a fresh start, got a completely fresh start because back in Calgary, even though I had this nightclub, I was completely broke because you're just 20 and you don't have any sort of financial education. So I'm this cool guy in a nightclub, but I'm broke, completely broke. Um, and my body is in complete shambles from all the drinking. So what actually happened was I felt like a complete phony walking around town, like this cool guy, but inside you just don't have anything going on. So the decision to move was great because it was a fresh start, and I could rebuild into uh, in a category where I thought I would really make changes. So we land in Toronto, uh, sorry, Kitchener, and we start. And so my big thing was, you know what? Uh, This is it. So we start on the first day, and uh, they start teaching us how to sell. And we get out there, and very, very quickly, I smack, I I run into my first wall. And I run smack down my first wall because I just realized, as we start to sell, that I'm not very good at selling. Uh, in fact, I'm not naturally talented at selling at all. Apparently, charisma and being social does not translate into selling. And so not only that, as I start trying to figure out how to sell, it felt like the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. And the more it looked like that the mountain kept bigger, kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger as I started researching and looking into it. Some of the problems was because this was a brand new industry i did not know anything about anything i was completely fresh all over again Uh, and because i was in a fresh city in a fresh industry i had no one to lean on not a single person to lean on Uh, i had no network i had no connections i had nothing so i basically had youtube and so at the time it was just me and youtube I had risked everything to be here. I had no choice to carry on, so I just started YouTubing. Uh, YouTubing basically everything to do with sales and trying to learn sales. At the time, it took a really, really long time to even get the basics down and to even figure out how to go there. And At the time, this is door-to-door sales is what I went for. Uh, To catch you guys caught up, door-to-door sales is probably the hardest type of sales. It is one of the hardest one of the absolute hardest, uh, um, what's that called? One of the absolute hardest entry level position jobs you could possibly get. It's a hundred percent commission. You are walking eight hours a day, anywhere from thirteen to twenty thousand steps every single day, six days a week, fourteen hour days. The pressure of one hundred percent commission is hard enough. Ask any car salesman. But try moving across the country when you're already saddled with debt and your monthly bills are through the roof. Having to pay now a, an extra rent while you're making 100% commission, while those creditors calling you off the hook, while you're trying to learn how to sell, and your body's taking absolute beating. So I was under a, a lot of tremendous pressure. So not exactly the ripe conditions to learn, but definitely the burn the ships and, uh, and, and go all in type of situation. I think my first paycheck was $75. I know I have a picture of it. My first paycheck was $75. So imagine working 14-hour days for two, no, weekly. So we got our paid weekly, and my first check was, was fifteen, no $75. To add insult to injury, that is a kick in the teeth. That carried on for a while, of just making a couple hundred bucks maybe per week. I was really slow to sales, especially this style of selling. It was, it was really, really, really tough. I, but what happened was the first day we had a sales competition. And so what happened was, uh, I forget what the exact competition was, but I'm sure it was whoever sold the most, you would get a little extra cash. And that day, I just saw, maybe at the time it was just that it was a little bit of money, a little extra money, but I know for myself, it wasn't so much the winning, is that I hate losing. The number one thing I hate in life is losing. I, that's why I don't gamble. The wins for me never outweigh the losses i just cannot stand losing to the max and so on that day the competition for me and any competition is i just lock in i completely locked in and for that day usually when we go to to the to the sales field you know you're having lunch you're talking everyone this and the other not that day i was there to win okay i was there to crush everybody i didn't care about anybody else i just wanted to make sure that i'm number one because i ain't losing this And that's where my big epiphany happened, because in that day, I knew I just only had one thing to do, one mission, lock in this, I don't care. And I went out there, uh, started selling, did my thing, and yes, I won the day, but more importantly, the big aha moment was how fast the day flew by. Normally, eight hours of walking around straight, it's, it's a long day, there's ebbs and flows that you eventually learn about the day, you kinda understand the pace of the day when people are gonna be home. All things that you kind of understand that you have to develop in any sort of craft if you want to play at a high level. You have to obviously know your fundamentals, but the intermediate, you start to understand style and pace, right? When to sprint, when to slow down. Kind of like an F1 race car. You don't slam the, the gas through the entire race. You have to know how to save your tires. You have to understand when to slow down, when to accelerate, when to take a hard turn. This is the same with any craft. For a slow learner like myself, that one day, for some reason, everything came together. But more importantly, in that one day, I didn't have to think about every single little part. I didn't have to think about every single day. I didn't have to think, or sorry, about every single part of the day. I didn't have to think about all the nuances of trying to do very well that day, perform at a high level and get great results. And another incredible part was that the day flew by. And you guys have all experienced that before too, where you have a day where it just flies by. Don't even notice it. If you haven't had those in your performance, you probably notice it on a day when you've had a lot of fun, right? Maybe you go to Disneyland for the first time or you go on your first date with an uh, amazing person. The time flies by. You look at the time and it's like, whoa, the day is done. Well, that's what happened to me that day for sales. Other notable uh, notable notables is uh, nothing bothered me that day either. No emotions kicked in a place whatsoever. I actually knew all my sales material perfectly where normally I'd be stumbling upon it. And I felt like I had unlimited energy. And that was the most incredible part about the day, is that I not only did I crush the competition, but all those little things, it felt effortless. And that's when I had my big aha moment, because from that point on, I had to figure, I had to learn what that was. Because why was I struggling for weeks on end, but all of a sudden, in those eight hours, I was invincible. And I thought if I could just figure it out, If I could figure that part out, that eight hours, I could probably learn to sell better. And then I could learn how to teach people. Then I could learn how to grow uh, grow leaders, learn how to manage them, and I could learn how to grow my own business and get the hell out of the field so I could stop knocking doors. This insane grind of knocking doors. I just want to get the hell out of that and stop doing that. I'll learn what I have to learn, but after that, get me out of here. And so that was my plan. I was going to learn how to put all this stuff together, and then I'd learn how to s- learn how to unlock that little piece of of what we now understand is flow state, and what now um, it's it's documented a lot more because uh, athletes now understand flow to the point where w- uh, movies depict flow as well, where everything slows down and they're doing these incredible feats. That was my first real, real incredible a uh, uh, taste flow and m- from there I knew I knew from that day I could do it if I did it once I knew I could do it again and so my whole thing was the whole reason why I moved out here again was to grow companies and to learn how to sell learn how to train learn how to grow leaders that was the plan anyways but what actually ever happened was that this plan took forever forever and every idea I seemed to have in every part of my plan that I thought even if I schedule it out it took ten times longer to implement, um, th- the more I researched on every single one of those points, the more it seemed like, the, it, it seemed like the less I knew because all of a sudden there was this insurmountable mountain of all these things that I had to learn. And I was getting even farther behind than I thought. Another part that was that was the issue because um, for me to become, a, uh, get my own sales office was I had to essentially be the best salesman. Well, the other problem was that I was nowhere near the best salesman. I wasn't even the top 10 anymore close uh, in the entire company. And so there's very few offices that they give out. Um, I think they, in the history since I was there, there was maybe four offices with about 300, 400 different sales agents out there at any given time, uh, probably more with these tremendous salespeople. Also, my body was trashed from walking 13 to 20,000 steps each day. My body was absolute trash. I knew there was, it was a ticking time bomb. And I, I have all these pictures documented. I can't wait to show you guys some way, somehow. Um, obviously not on podcasts, but we'll have more content that comes out. Uh, and, and truth be honest, I was, I was burning out. These are 16, 14 to 16-hour days, uh, and nobody knew what I was going through. Even e- entrepreneurs know this quite well, or anyone who's really dedicated to craft. You call your friends you're back home, maybe your significant other, and sure, they feel for you. Well, that sounds difficult. But they don't exactly understand what you're going through. I was the, I was the cool guy owned a nightclub. And when they say, what are you doing? I say, I'm knocking doors selling water heaters in Ontario. Uh, the phone always went silent. So n- nobody knew what the heck I was talking about. So I knew for myself there's only one way I can get out of this. And as if that, I have to devote everything into this. If the charts are stacked against me, I have to put every single ounce of effort into this. And so one of the things I did was I started tracking my performance. I became obsessed with performance. I tried to track down every single thing. I tried to track down every penny I I, I spent. I tried to track down what I was eating, what I was buying for groceries. I tried to track down um, how many hours I slept. I tried to track down... All my sales stats, how many steps I was taking, how many people I was talking to, and uh, of those stats, um, how many people uh, uh, that I talked to that I give presentations and closes and this, that, 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 and percentages all across the board. The other thing I really started doing was I started, because it was just myself and YouTube, literally working 14-hour days and going home all by myself, I, my best friend was YouTube. And what I did was I started watching documentaries, relentlessly watching documentaries, about the world's greats and for for a a good year two years i did nothing but watch documentaries and interviews from the history's greatest performers i I mean like chefs rappers fighters athletes ceos you name it um that's all i watched and so the big thing about that was when i watched and uh, but at this point now i've watched thousands and thousands of hours about peak performance and then when I started, after I started watching these interviews, I started watching um, people who specific interviews in the timelines when people were putting out their best work. So specifically Muhammad Ali before he retired or before they uh, kicked him out because he didn't go to Vietnam, just a tremendous. And uh, uh, Little Wayne during the filming of the uh, or during the recording of his album, uh, the Carter three, I believe it was. The one that sold a million albums. It was the last album to sell a million hard copy albums. And it was incredible. But not just watching, listening and watching do- interviews and documentaries, but to zone in specifically in artists during that time when they were in flow, peer flow, when they put out their best work. Uh, and same with, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Pumping Iron. It's another great one when he wore, won his last Mr. Olympia. All those little times. What I started noticing was they all started saying the exact same things. They started talking about focus. They started talking about their dedication, their practice, the repetition, the dedication. to ensure And these things kept coming up over and over and over again. They may have said it in different words, but the fundamentals were all the same. And when I had this realization that I said, you know what? All their fundamentals are the exact same. So I'm just going to practice their fundamentals. If I can just install their fundamentals, I bet you the rest will take care of itself. It took a little bit of while. Uh, It still took a long time, but I did do it. I learned how to sell the hard way. Uh, I learned how to be fully self-sufficient the hard way. Uh, Learn how to dig myself out of the trenches the hard way. And what I mean by the hard way is I just went trial and error. I just kept smashing trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. And there is a saying that goes, trial and error is the sorriest way to mastery. So I took the sorriest way to figure out how to perform at my highest. Uh, After restart, after restart, after restart, always writing down these big goals, always failing at these big goals or falling short. But from those restarts, I eventually optimized every little part and started understanding where I was failing. Why? Why could I not get up at this hour? That was always my big one. I want. Th- I always want to get up at five a.m. Is this something that Robin Sharma called way back in day? Um, I think it was called the five a.m. Club. Robin Sharma is just incredible at peak performance. He was the very first guru I ever read about, and he changed everything for me. But I could not wake up at five a.m. It took me years to figure out how to wake up at 5 a.m., just one of the many things. I couldn't figure out how to uh, get my finances in order. I couldn't figure out a lot of things. So I had to keep restarting. But from these restarts, every single time I had to restart, I would get one little thing right. And maybe it was was configuring my sleep, or maybe it was configuring my diet. Uh, Budgets, I had a long time trying to figure that out. So I started with tracking. And then from tracking, I started figuring out how to divide into different bank accounts. But what the fundamentals helped me do was it eventually gave me the tools, the tactics, and the field-tested battle strategies and experience. And eventually, I had a system for peak performance that I had to use myself as a guinea pig. Well, after using it for long enough, I started coaching sales guys my system. And we could take them. And, and at first, we're getting you know, good results. We could, we could get average people to, to play above average. But eventually w- not only could we get the average to go above average but when the system grew well enough that we could track the results and we gave them the tools and the strategies and the right mindsets and of course i know this sounds pretty general but we'll get into specifics because we did break all these tactics down well uh we do break down all these concepts with the strategies and the and the tactics the actionable tactics that they could use today to get results but by the time you're listening to this, we probably have the science backed up with it as well. And we're working on that behind the scenes here. But at the time when we finally got the system, in the, uh, our system for peak performance in place, we could take people who had absolutely zero sales experience whatsoever, um, complete introverts, shy, won't look in the eye gonna talk, to become complete sales leaders. And with that success, uh, five years after arriving in Kitchener, um, I had the opportunity to move to... Finally, make it a way to not just Toronto, but live in uh, Montreal. So two major, world class cities. Um, with our organization, we grew four more offices. We've, by th- at this point, we've trained over a thousand people. Countless lives changed, and from uh, the stemming f- fr- from this organization, personally, we ha- generated over fifty million dollars in revenue. And so, what actually actually ended up happening from that was by the end of it. Uh, when I decided to leave that organization, we had done great things, and we had a lot of, and through it, myself, I went through a lot of ups and downs as well from either either uh, being promoted out of that position or starting new ventures, more start stops. And it's one of the hardest things to do to your career is a start stop, which means you completely stop what you're doing and you're killing the momentum. If you've ever just stopped something that you're doing and you just ended the momentum, it's 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 the it's the touch of death. It's the kiss of death, because you've killed all of that energy, all of those, all that past work, all the networking, all of the knowledge that you have that's pushing you forward. The the wind in your sails is cut, and so understanding the start stops. Um, there's there's a g- a, a great teaching from uh, his name is Patrick Bet- David, and he teaches start stops. The difference between amateurs and 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 uh, experts, and amateurs have more start stops. Simply. Whereas experts stay with one thing for a very, very long time. They don't let start-stops happen. They don't kill the momentum. And so because I had so many start-stops, not only did I learn the concept of start-stops, but I also understood to set myself up to build momentum. One of the keys of peak performance is understanding momentum, how to build momentum, how to keep momentum, how to grow momentum, something we call a slingshot. It's deep in our program. And it's not just... One of the killers of progress, but it's actually one of the multipliers of progress. So if you do it right, you catapult yourself; hence the, the code name "slingshot." If you do it wrong, it is it is self destruction. Through this transformation, from all the start stops, from learning and doing everything the hard way, grinding for ten years, um, when I came out of it and I decided, okay, I, I want to start my own company, which that's a long story in itself, but eventually became what it is today, where we see the boost is that I actually, the dream of becoming a billionaire kind of evaporated because I eventually understood that the billionaire thing doesn't matter. It's not how much money you make, it's how you make your money. And through all those trials and tribulations, I had enough insight to tell myself, you know what, I don't want to be a billionaire doing shit I hate. What I want to do, one of the important things for me, is that I want to be able to have work that impacts people. And that really came from the coaching of how we could really give people these tools, and then they became self-sufficient. That was incredible. That in itself was worth, that could give myself the energy to really work hard at and to really create um, companies that provided this type of result. The second thing that was really important to myself is I wanted to work remotely from anywhere in the world. Anywhere. And I cared more about sustained peak performance and flow than pretty much any other topic in the world. And I learned that the keys to achievement was the foundations of mastery. The same thing that I saw in interviews and books and the same things that we used to help people find their flow is truly what I cherished most. And so even at that time when I decided that, I didn't know that that was going to be the company. I tried actually all kinds of things. But in the past 10 years, I've used this system even to teach myself how to swim. And I've used the same system to build two companies. One of them, obviously, the one we're talking about, Boost. Now, because of this, what we're able to do today is take all of the material, all of the tactics, all of the tools, And we've combined them to create these incredible artisanal products. We've done it in in, in a couple different ways. One of the ones is our foundations. We talk all about the foundations. But how we implement our foundations, that's where we created the Mechanics of Mastery Cookbook. And that's the one thing that we're, almost the reason why we're doing this show here today is to present to you the Mechanics of Mastery. And the idea behind the cookbook is that anyone can grab the book at any time and flip to whatever page, whatever, whatever issue you're having with. Maybe you're, maybe you're burnt out. Uh, maybe, maybe you're lost. Maybe you're completely overwhelmed from all the million things that you have to do. Maybe you feel like nobody, that, you, that you've lost your way. Maybe you feel like that y- you've been working at something for so long and you're getting absolutely nowhere. Well, what's happening is that you're, you're so deep in the weeds that there's fundamentally things that are flawed that have led you to get to where you are today. And that's where the (laughs) cookbook we've made today where you can flip open the cookbook, find the right fundamental that's actually gone wrong and flip to the right recipe and use that tactic, what we will call as a recipe, and have instant actionable results that can not only just start getting you back in the right path, but the more of these tactics and recipes that you put into uh, into your repertoire, the more... The more defenses and the more of the f- uh, foundational operating system that you'll have in place to prevent these things from happening in the future. For instance, um, maybe you feel burnt out. Maybe you feel absolutely burnt out. You're like, holy cow, I've been at this for so long. Um, and I'm, I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't know if I can restart this. Well, the issue probably isn't that you're res- you don't want to restart. The issue is that uh, you don't recover. And that's one of the big tenets that we have in our program is, is in peak Performance is the recovery process. You don't need to work harder. You're already working 80 hours a week. What, you're going to work 120 hours a week? That doesn't make sense. One of the big things a lot of people don't talk about is recovery. You don't want to work harder. You want to recover faster. And that's just one of the amazing tenets in our program. That's actually in the flow hacks uh, section of the book. I think that's in the last there where we, we have the five flow hacks that get you to flow state the fastest. The rest of the book is all about how to uh, the mechanics of mastery where we give you the foundations. And if you can install all these, b- best believe you're going to be completely invincible, impervious to anything that happens in the world. And anything that, that comes, you can solve it very, very, very quickly. But the last chapter is all about flow hacks, and that's how to get yourself in a flow state the fastest. Not only do we give you the hack, and by the way, these are all free hacks. You don't have to buy equipment or anything except for one. Um, But that's actually how to get the the fastest result. it's it's uh, It's through the CBD there. The flow hacks you can do instantly. These are techniques that can prime your body and really dig deep and with the, with the uh, especially nowadays, that we didn't have 10 years, I didn't have 10 years ago, was the cognitive science that is really delved deep into flow state and what's happening in the body, uh, what neurochemicals are being released in your brain, what's happening within uh, um, the body's response during flow state. This is stuff that we didn't have 10 years ago, that now, not only do we know exactly what's happening during flow state, but now we know how to induce and how to practice to make sure that we train how we study and how we induce the highest possibility of flow state. You can check it out at the mechanicsofmastery.com. That's where you can get the cookbook for free. It's out there for you guys. I've spent 10 years grinding away, so you guys can literally just pick up the book, flip to the page, and use it. Um, I can't wait. If you guys have any questions about it, it's there for you for the taking. Flip through all of them. Again, the last chapter is all about flow hacks. That one's incredible. The very first chapter, Is actually one of my favorite topics ever. I've taught it to every single salesperson that's ever trained with us and the leaders, and that is the chapter of how to learn. It's a very, very simple framework to make sure you never get lost again. Um, It's four stages of learning. Learn that, and that chapter alone, that chapter alone will ensure, almost ensure that you never get lost in the weeds. Again, because you will always know exactly where you are in the learning cycle. And if you know where you are in the learning cycle, you'll know what actions you should be doing at that time. So you're not just on YouTube researching for 50 hours at a time and filling notebooks, endless notebooks, and never actually bringing anything to life. Learning the four steps of learning, the four stages of learning, really sets yourself apart from any other startup or any other competition right off the bat. I think there's about four or five other chapters. We're working with um, some amazing authors right now who are helping us build the entire product. So by the time you guys get the finished product, it will be an incredible work of art that will get you guys through. uh, uh, and, And it's for anyone who's either just starting, anyone who's stuck, anyone who's looking to up their game, or anyone who's trying to sharpen their edge and really crush their competition the mechanics of mastery.com. That's where you can get the free cookbook. It's there for you guys. And for this show, we'll be interviewing masters and digging deep into their crafts, into their craft, their, their, their passions, their careers. Uh, And we'll be digging deep into how they got to where they got tips and tricks that they've developed. And of course, watching what flow state looks like to them. You can expect, we'll be talking to different chefs, uh, Olympians, comedians, musicians, artists, You name it, everyone can achieve flow state. That's what we're here to do. We're here to decode flow state. Thank you for joining me. My name is Donnie. I'll be your host through this journey. Um, And you can catch me on Instagram at takinglunchmoney. Thanks for listening for the first show. I hope this was enlightening. I hope the 10-year journey helps you understand where we came from. We'll be talking soon.